What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. Today, I've got Tyler Jensen on the podcast again, and it's number three in our series. We're going to be talking about how to estimate your maximum allowable offer. So how to figure out what you can offer a seller or offer on the MLS to make sure that you make money when you're flipping houses. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody. I'm back with Tyler Jensen again for our third episode of the series. We talked about how to find your first or next house to flip on the first one. And then we talked about how to accurately estimate repair costs on the last one. And today we're going to talk about calculating your maximum offer price. So newer flippers or even newer wholesalers, they're constantly worried. And what stops them from getting started is the fact that they're going to make a, an offer that might be too high and they have to cancel the contract or it's too low and they get laughed out of there and they don't get any deals, right? So something that stops us from getting started is just this kind of analysis paralysis. And what we do want to do real quick, Tyler and I want to have a conversation about uh, calculating max offers and uh, try to figure out how to make competitive offers that can also make you money. And so if it's your first deal or even your next deal, this might dial in the offer that you make in the numbers. So if you never flipped yeah. a house before, you might say, I want to avoid overpaying, right? Like how do I, how do I not overpay for this house so that I actually make money? And that was, that was a big problem for me when I got started. I'm an engineer, so I overanalyze everything. And I was, just worried and I never got started in, in the beginning because I didn't know what my offer should be. And so um, I heard this 70% rule. That was like what I heard over and over and over again, in every free forum, every Facebook page, everybody that was talking about it heard the 70% rule. So um, Tyler, let's start with you. What do you think about the 70% rule and do you guys use it in your business? Not at all. Like I agree. Like that's really kind of that rumor that everyone puts out there, all this free content. They say, Hey, it's, it's the after repaired value times 70% minus your rehab. And that sounds great. If you can do deals like that, then definitely like it really sounds good, right? You're making a 30% gross margin on that, but it's really, it depends on your market. So we do not use the 70% rule. And there's a lot of reasons behind that. Uh, it really depends on your market, right? And what market you're in. If you're a million dollar uh, ARV or you're, you know, you guys do houses that are like $60,000, which is crazy to me, right? And it just really depends on that market. But a 70% doesn't work in our market. It's too competitive. The margins aren't there unless you're going like directly to the seller and you get a, a really killer deal. Then sometimes that makes sense. But yeah, I, I really wouldn't use that as a rule of thumb, that 70% minus ARV. And, and we talked about that a little bit, but what are your thoughts on it based on your market and what you see? Yeah, I, just, just to be clear for everybody that it's an easy like rule of thumb initially maybe to run a, uh, to what I, what I always challenge people is as they get going and they, they have a lot of experience, maybe they flip 20, 30 houses in that market to go back and look at all the properties that they've bought and sold over time in the recent time last year or so, and try to figure out a back of the envelope math number that they can use in their market. And I did this with, I remember doing this in the, when I very, very first joined seven figure flipping and there was a guy in the, in the New York market. And we, we sat down and we looked at the last like 10 houses that he flipped. 
and we looked at all the numbers and I put them in a spreadsheet and I tried to like find him that number, the 70% rolled kind of number. And for him, it was like 84% ARV minus repairs. And so then I, I was like, well, that's weird. If he, he can actually pay a lot more than somebody who would come in at 70% rule. So I started kind of breaking down what was in that 30% that you took out. So remember after repair value times 70%. So we're subtracting 30% of the after repair value from it minus repairs. That's your offer price in, in, this, in this world. So in that 30% is the cost of money, it's taxes, it's insurance, it's all the holding costs. So utilities, anything else that could happen, right? And it's your profit. So all that stuff gets rolled up into that 30%, which like Tyler said, if I had a million dollar ARV, it would probably be pretty good. $300,000 of, of profit, money cost, uh, holding costs, utilities, things like that, uh, taxes, insurance. Um, and so maybe there's $200,000 in there for me as a profit, that's pretty good. Now, if I want to be competitive, maybe I take $100,000 of profit. I can offer $100,000 more. So that would be 80% ARV minus repairs in that case. So, but when you're in a $100,000 ARV or a very low ARV, it also doesn't work because in that $30,000 from $100,000 ARV, I would need my profit, my taxes, my insurance, my utilities, the grass cutting, my, um, and my money costs. And so likely my profit might only be $15,000 in that case or $18,000. And it's probably not above my minimum. So think about that when you're building it out. What I always used to use is fixed costs. I would take ARV minus fixed costs, like all the holding costs, money costs, realtor fees, everything. Oh, realtor fees, I didn't even mention in there, right? When you're buying and selling the houses, that's, that's in there. So when I'm selling, I pay realtor fees. So, and then, uh, so all the fixed costs minus my repairs, minus my profit. So that's, and I would set the profit where I wanted it to be. So I think it works in the 200 to 300,000 ARV maybe. Um, and there's a sweet spot where it would work. But really what I, I, I really try to push a lot of more experienced flippers to do that have past data is to figure out what their number is. And then they can use that as back of the envelope math. So when they run their numbers real quick, somebody sends them a deal. If it's 80% minus repairs from the pictures, then they would go deeper, like take the next step. So but all of you listening, the, the purpose of this podcast is for the newer folks, the people who are just getting going, maybe your first deal or second deal. So you don't have a lot of history and maybe you can ask a flipper that has a lot of experience potentially, but you're going to have to dial this in yourself and don't overthink it. I'm going to ask Tyler what they use in his company. And I know they do a really good job. And so, but it's, all it is, is it really easy, like calculating the ARV, that's going to be important. What's the after repair value? You get that right it's going to work for you. If you get it wrong, if you get it wrong high, you're okay. If you get it wrong low, then you're going to be tight. It's going to eat into your, into your profit, right? So calculating that is step one. And then I remove these fixed costs. Like I just break them down. What are my realtor fees? What are my money costs? What's my utilities? What's the taxes? What's the insurance? What's the transfer tax, the mortgage uh, title, all the title work, that kind of stuff on the sale. And what does that look like? And then I'll subtract the repair costs and then I'll subtract my profit. And that's my offer. So that's how we've always done it. Um, well, in the beginning, I thought I did the 70% rule. And, um, and what I found was I was actually making more money. And so I was missing out on deals because I actually wasn't sharpening the pencil. And I think in the market now, probably have to sharpen the pencil a little bit and make sure that it's not just a broad brush. Because if I did 70% ARV in the markets that I'm in, and that's our offers. So wholesaler, 70% ARV, minus repairs, minus wholesale fee, I would be laughed out of houses and I, we wouldn't do 
we'd probably do 10% of deals that we're doing right now because we are not competitive. Yeah. So I don't know. That's my answer, Tyler. What do you guys do in your company? Yeah, totally. So I really think that that's where it starts. You talked about the ARV, right? What is that really after repaired value? That's your starting point. You really have to nail that in and understand what, what can I sell this house? What is it really worth when it's all fixed up? So you've got to pay attention to that, right? What is it worth? What needs to be done? We talked about that before estimating your budget. Does it need granite countertops? Does it not? And if you do put granite countertops in, what's that after repaired value? And then we do the same thing, right? We remove all of those costs. So a good, if you're just getting started in this, you don't need a massive Excel spreadsheet. You don't need a tool or an app or anything like that. Get the old pen and paper down and you can really figure this out pretty simply, right? So take your after repaired value and we always times uh, by 90% or 88%, depending on how expensive you, you think your money. If, you're, if you know I'm gonna do hard money and I have to pay some points and really high interest, then maybe you take that, that higher percentage off up front. If you think, hey, I could probably get reasonable money, uh, you know, I might have to do maybe uh, some private money mixed with some hard money, whatever that, that is, right? So I would just use that number. So we always take, let's use $300,000 in my market, right? So $300,000, I would times that. I'm taking away 10% off the top automatically for all those costs. 6% of that is gonna go to an agent, right? I've gotta pay my agent to list it. And then I've got to pay the buyer's agent to come and bring me a buyer, right? So that's 6% already off the top of that 300,000. And then you have 4%. Uh, so 2% usually is going to be kind of your utilities, your taxes, all those closing costs. And then the other 2% is going to go towards holding, right? And, and the interest payments, stuff like that. So again, if you're going to spend a little bit more money on you're doing hard money loans, I would maybe take 12% of that ARV off. And if you're a reasonable amount of money, you think you can flip it pretty quickly, it's not gonna be a, a year long flip, then you know I think that that 10% would be safe. And then also, so I would start there, I'd take that 300,000 times that 90%, that gives you a good starting point. And then minus your rehab. Hey, before we move on, Tyler, you brought something yeah. up really important there, and it's time. Yeah. So if you are new and you, know, you don't have a contractor lined up, you're just, plan for a little bit longer time to actually renovate and get this house in the market. And the longer time, the more of those holding costs get eaten up. So yeah. if you're planning on, uh, like not everybody is doing seven day flips like Tyler, right? Where they're in and out in a month, month and a half, um, once it's all sold and done. So I, I, for me, I would usually plan about six months when I got started. That was kind of my, yeah. when I've calculated my holding costs, the utilities, the insurance, the taxes, the money costs, all that stuff. I was looking at about six months. If you have a huge flip and you know it's going to take you a year, well, first of all, I would reconsider that if it's your first deal. But um, calculate that out, okay? Because it's not going to be two percent if you're holding it for a year. It's yeah. going to be twelve percent probably just for money, if not more, mm -hmm. for you if you have expensive money. So really think about that. And what Tyler's talking about is turning these houses pretty fast. So if you're not turning them very fast, you might have to go to fifteen percent of the ARV for money, utilities, yeah. things like that. And you can actually break this stuff out. You can actually predict, I'm gonna hold the house for six months and I'm paying 12% interest. Then I know 6% of my money, and maybe maybe it's four or five because you're not, the ARV is more expensive than what you're borrowing, right? Um, but maybe it's 5% just towards money if you got 12% interest for six months. So think about that. And then if you have 6% realtor fees and 2% holding costs, now you're at like 13 or 14, 15. So yeah, really consider let's, let's, that because I think it's important. 
Yeah, let's get into that too. We'll talk about like how to calculate your money costs and stuff like that as part of this deal as well. So anyways, I would start there, right? At least take 10% off the top and then 10 to 15, right? Depending on your money. And we'll talk money in just a second. So we'll talk how you calculate simple interest on that money. So uh, $300,000 times 90% for us. And then we're going to minus our rehab costs. So if you think it's going to be a $35,000 rehab, again, if you, this is your first rehab and you're really just getting started on it, I would always put that margin of error at least 10%, depending on your comfort level. So if it's a $35,000 budget, you're going to almost call it 40, right? Say, hey, look, I think it's 35. I could probably get it done for 35. I feel really comfortable about that. I would tack on at least 10 to 15% on your rehab numbers just to make sure, right? And you're going to be really conservative. It's going to be a, a fine line that you're going to have to walk as you're, you're offering these first couple of deals because you're getting education, you're learning. Um, but I would always put that your budget is never what it seems, right? There's always stuff that's hidden in the walls that you don't know of. And especially when you're getting started into it, you just got to make sure that, that you CYA, right? You cover your butt. CYB, how about that? <laughs> um, yeah, and then you're gonna calculate any like uh, closing costs. So if you know that you're a really thick, uh, heavy FHA buyer, right? A lot of those FHA buyers need some help on closing costs. So you can either tack that onto the, to the ARV at the end and make them pay for that or know that, that you're gonna probably pay anywhere from three to $7,000 in a first time home buyer situation. So plan on that as well. And then, then I would take that calculated money cost. So let's talk about that really quick. So interest in our business, most of the time, it's just simple interest. It's not compounding interest. It's not anything like that. It's simple interest. So if I borrow $100,000 at, at 12%, let's say, that's going to be $1,000 a month that I have to pay um, every single month in money costs. So just keep that in mind that most of the time when you're negotiating with private money lenders or hard money lenders, that it's an annual percentage rate. So that's the total interest for the whole year, right? It's not compounding, it's not doing daily compounding and interest compound on other interests, stuff like that. So just be careful of that when you're negotiating it. But for the most part in most of our deals, it's just simple interest. So you take that $100,000 at 12%. I know that if I hold the property for six months, it's gonna cost me $6,000 in uh, holding costs, right? And then if you do hard money, a term in that is called points. So points is just a percentage, it's 1% uh, of the total borrowed money. So again, on that $100,000, if it's two points and 12%, I know that my money cost is gonna be $2,000 and I'm gonna be, so that's money that you're gonna have to pay up front or as part of your loan. And then also you're gonna have to pay that $1,000 every month, whether you accrue it and it, it, we just pay it off at the end, which is what I recommend, or some lenders will make you pay that interest payment every month. Right. So that's a really easy way to just calculate how much is my money really going to cost. It's an annual percentage rate. Take the total amount you're going to borrow times it by that percentage, divide it by 12 months if you wanted to. And then that's your monthly. Every month that you hold on to that property is how much it's going to cost you. So that's a really simple way to do that. So once you've got all those things, anything else to add to that, Bill? No, but you can hear file. if you're paying if you're paying two points and 12 percent on that hundred thousand and you hold the property for six months, just like Tyler talked about, you're paying $8,000. So 2,000 and then 6,000 over six months. Mm -hmm. So 1,000 a month for six months, so $8,000. So that's 8% of that $100,000. So maybe your ARV is $200,000 and you got a great deal, right? 
And so now it's now it's four percent. But you can see how these the money can really add up as a percentage of your ARV. And so uh, think about that. If it's one hundred fifty thousand dollars, it's six percent right there. Pay another six for a realtor. There's your twelve. And now you can get eaten up on utilities, um, grass mowing, snow removal, like all the different things that you're going to have to do: taxes, insurance, closing costs, those kind of things on the sale. And so you really have to be um, be thinking about those things because that's. That's what ate me up on some like early deals of mine. I didn't think about that stuff. Like um, I was like, oh, I'm going to make $60,000 on this. And next thing I know, there's like 10 grand in taxes, insurance, utilities, all of this stuff, pool maintenance on the house. The house had a pool in the very early ones I did. And I was like, oh man, I didn't think about any of this stuff. So build that in. So now we got 300,000 ARV. You're subtracting 30,000 for money and closing costs and things like that. And then $40,000 in repairs, right? So that's where we are. Yep. So $40,000 in repairs. And then I would put another $5,000 in my market because I know that 90% of our buyers are FHA buyers. And so I would put another 5,000 into it. And then my calculated money costs bill. So let's just say whatever, 300,000 at 12%. Okay. And how long are you holding it? So we got $3,000 a month. Let's say six months. So I want to... And another important point on this is I'm calculating for worst case scenario. If I have to hold this property for six months and what if I have to take a price reduction or anything like that, right? I just want to make sure that I have a plan for that. So I'm planning on six months. If you get it done faster, great. That's more money that you made in your pocket. But if it takes me six months, I want to know what that number looks like, right? Is it still profitable if it takes me six months at the end of the day? So we're calculated money costs. And then you've got to figure out, okay, this is kind of, where I need to be. Now I've got to work in some profit into that, right? For us, we want to make at least $25,000 to make it worth it um, for us to do a deal, right? So you can look at your profit and kind of take that out. And now you have what's called a Mac, an MAO is what we call it in our business, right? A maximum acceptable offer. So I know that if it takes me six months to do this house, I'm $5,000 over my $35,000 budget right? I'm still okay. I'm still going to make 25,000. I covered all my costs, my taxes, my uh, agent fees. I added $5,000 in concessions to the homeowner, to the new buyer. I can still, if it worst case happens, right? I know exactly where I'm going to be and I can still make $25,000 on this deal. Anything skinnier than that really makes me nervous, right? We have to really think on that deal. And that's just my market. If I was doing, if I was in California, those metrics and that number would be probably a lot different. A $25,000 deal in California would probably not make sense because you've just got to be careful that that profit can be eaten up really quickly by time, by budget, your quality's poor. It takes you longer to sell the property. It just sits on the market and it's not moving. Um, can really eat into that profit. So once you figure out that MAO, that maximum acceptable offer, that's a good starting point, right? Anything less and you go negotiate less than that, great. Hey, <clears throat> our maximum acceptable offer was, I don't know, were you finished the numbers, Bill? What does that look yeah, like? 25,000 is what you want on a $300,000 ARV? Yeah. So we want to try and hit at least, and just our rule of thumb is we want a 10% net profit. So for us on a $300,000 house, I would try and push that closer to $30,000, but that's what I would want to hit. That's our rule of thumb, right? Is that we want to at least have our net profit be about 10%. So your maximum allowable offer on this house 
So we have $300,000 minus $30,000 of that 10%, closing costs, realtor fees, all that stuff, uh, holding mm-hmm. off. $40,000 in repairs. So that was $35,000 for you with a $5,000 contingency. $5,000 in FHA, so specifically in Tyler's market. FHA is a ton of buyers and they're always asking for closing cost assistance. So $5,000, $18,000 for money costs, minus $30,000 in profit gets $177,000. So in a $300,000 ARV, your MAO in this case would be $177,000. Mm-hmm. And so anything less than that, right? That's kind of your, your starting point. Hey, now I know where the deal is. If they need 187,000, is it a deal that I'm willing to take? Maybe, right? Maybe I, I'm, I could take that risk and I could come up, but what if they'll take 167,000 for that house or $157,000 for that house? And that's usually what our spread looks like. We're buying these houses for $160,000. We're selling them for 300. We just, perfect example of that. We just did this deal like yesterday. We just closed on one. That's exactly these numbers that we're working backwards. So you bought it for how much? We paid like 157 for it. Okay. And our rehab is a little bit less, but still. um, If it's these numbers and the ARV is 300 and you paid 157, you're looking at more like a (laughs) profit. And if the rehab numbers are a little bit less, you're looking at an even bigger profit, right? Mm -hmm. So, and we can reduce that time frame, right? We planned on six months. And if we can do it in two or three, then we're going to get that money coming back. But worst case scenario, right? We've already planned for that. We know that it's going to be profitable. Yep. So even though you're, and when you start negotiating, just because your maximum allowable offer is 177, like Tyler said, you don't need to go in there and say, I'm going to offer you 177 in the beginning. Start around (laughs) 150, 155. (laughs) If the seller wants 250 when you come in in the door and there's not a lot of motivation, that's where we go back to the other tools that we have, right? And a lot of the other things that we talk about. This is strictly to get you comfortable just running some very easy numbers. And I'll tell you, if that seller for me, if I walked in the door and that seller wanted 187, then my I would go back and really dial these in a lot closer. Like Tyler said, I might I might look at my rehab estimate and say, you know, I put $5,000 extra for contingencies. Let me take a deeper look at the rehab. Let me see if I can go find some cheaper money. Let me see if the realtor fees and the closing costs and all that stuff really would be that expensive. Let me see if this house would really likely sell to an FHA buyer. You know, some of those things that you put in there, uh, drop the, pull the contingency out, pull, in the, pull out the FHA thing, and that's $10,000 right there. So, yeah, and that don't make sense for sure. Yeah. So really think about those kind of things. Um, some things, some gotchas that I had, um, I remember, um, I remember the first house that I got under contract when, uh, so it was on an auction site. I put an offer and I was freaking out. They accepted it. I was like, oh my gosh, did I, are my numbers right? Am I going to make money? Like what's going to happen? I'll tell you, it's totally normal to feel that way. And don't freak out. Just go through the process and buy the house, fix it up, put it on the market and, and do the things that you learn along the way and take the advice, learn from Tyler, learn from other folks that are doing it and just, just go, just do it, just jump. And it's, there's still houses that we, it, it, it's become a lot easier for me to get numb to this. But I remember in the very beginning, just going, Oh crap. They said, yes, they signed it. What am I going to do now? And just be confident, be, um, just know your numbers and, uh, and just go at that point. Now all the preparation is done and now it's about execution. And the better you execute, execute at that point, the more money you can make. Um, the one thing that I want to, I just want to be, have you guys be careful of is being conservative, conservative, and conservative. I think we may have talked about this on a previous recording, but 
Um, don't be conservative in your realtor fees and conservative in your ARV and conservative in your rehab costs and conservative in your money costs. And all that stuff starts adding up. Next thing you know, that $177,000 offer that Tyler's walking in, um, giving to them, you might be going in at 157 because you're so conservative on everything. So it's fine to put in a contingency on the rehab and, but don't be conservative in every number. Hopefully that makes sense. Cause next thing you know, yeah. your, your offers are not competitive. The, on the other side of the coin is don't be really aggressive with the ARB and really aggressive with the rehab costs and really aggressive with the profit number because all that stuff will get squeezed. So once you do one, it, how, Tyler, I'm just getting started. I have a full-time job. I'm a W2 employee, right? And I flipped my first house and I plan on making 30,000, just like your numbers. But you know what? My rehab budget went over, my timeline went over and I made $15,000 instead of 30. Sweet. Are you disappointed or is that a win? Heck no. <laughs> 15 grand for me was, that's life-changing, right? That was like three months of salary for me working at my corporate America job, right? Like 15 grand is life-changing to your business. So if I walked away with 15 grand and an education, absolutely, that would be a win, right? And I totally agree. You're going to get better at this, right? But you have to try. You have to take that first step. You have to do something to move forward. We lost money on our first house, right? And I had to figure that out. But what's really cool about this is you have us. You have this cool thing that walks you through it. I didn't have that. You and I both had to figure it out by ourselves, right? And that's what's really cool about this environment that we're creating is that you have people that can help you that people aren't going to let you do bad deals, right? Like go out there and you've got to try and take that effort and make it happen. Cause that's really where it starts. $15,000. What would you do with $15,000 right now? If you're listening to this and you have a corporate America job, $15,000 is life changing. What if you can make 50 or 40 in your case, right? I think you made $40,000 in your first, how much of that was your salary? That's half of my salary. I made $43,000 on my first deal, 45 on the next one. And that was one a year. So I made an extra 1.5 times what I made the year before just by doing that. That is so cool. And that's powerful, right? If you can make $40,000, does that change your life? Does that pay some bills? Does that, you know, get you out of debt? Absolutely. And that's where, why real estate is so much fun is because it has that potential to be able to do it. But that's never gonna, you're never gonna make $40,000 unless you start making offers, right? You get on an auction website, like in your case, right? And, or you go to an estate sale, right? I know we've talked about that too. You went up and you showed up to an estate sale. You had no idea what to say. What's your maximum acceptable offer? You had no idea, right? You just took that action and made it happen. And it turned out rewarding for you. You learned along the way, you got better at it, but you made that first step to say, hey, I'm gonna submit an offer. Oh crap, now what do I do, right? I've got to figure it out. That's the fun part of being in real estate and being in a real estate investor. Man, that one was like three acres, no comps, uh, a weird looking house, <laughs> pool, chain link fence. I, I didn't, I was trying to figure that out running after a pair of values. So one thing that may still be uh, left like unsaid is that after a pair of values. So it's important to calculate that. It's basically looking at other comparables in the area that are recent, right? Last six months, and even now the market's changing so fast, maybe the last three months, depending on what your market cycles are doing uh, from time to time. And then you may have to go back a little bit further. And I would typically look in that neighborhood, look at something that was around the same size, same bedrooms, bathrooms, and ideally a house that had been fixed up. So Arthur Botting and I, we did a Flip Hacking Friday call uh, before Flip Hacking Live last October, and we put it on the podcast. So we'll link that in the show notes here so that you guys have it. So you can go back and listen to, a, it's a one hour conversation of comping properties and how we do it. 
um, to go a lot deeper there. We want to say, uh, we wanted to go kind of, you know, make you feel comfortable about making the offer. And the ARV, it starts with ARV, but don't overthink all this stuff. You get a realtor to run comps for you and say what it's likely to sell for. Um, you can ask some other people. You can just kind of dive in and look. Like right now, I can get on Zillow today and find three other properties uh, without access to the MLS and have a good idea in that area what uh, what I would offer and, and what the ARV is going to be. So um, Tyler said, um, we can help you walk through some of this stuff, learn from other people, learn from people like Tyler. And on the next podcast, we're going to tell you how he might be able to hold your hand through a lot of this stuff. If you're feeling like even more concerned, overwhelmed, those kind of things, totally normal. I know that I was, and I know that I wish that I had something to help me in my first deals. Um, and I just kind of jumped. And sometimes that's what you need. You just need to jump and don't overthink it. Don't overprepare. Go in the house, make the offer. The offer gets accepted. You're freaking out. I know I was freaking out on that estate sale house. I was freaking out on the auction house. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, uh, but just jumped in there and made it happen. And fortunately it worked out. And honestly, if I didn't make 43,000, I made 10. I probably would still be just as excited as I was about making money because I mean, it's just proof that, that it's possible, right? And that's all you need. You need to do that first deal, prove that it's possible. And next thing you know, you're going to be doing deal 10, deal 50, deal 100, deal 200, and just keep going. And then you're not even going to worry about it. You should be like, yeah, most of our deals are about 55% ARV. So I'm not even going to do all this stuff. That's my rough number. Okay, here we go. You can start seeing trends in the past of what it is. And running comps will just be like second nature to you. And you'll get really good at it. So, but the first step is to take that first step, right? You got to gotta go. Exactly. So I know we got a big surprise on the next podcast. And uh, Tyler and I are going to share um, how we can help you guys a little bit more get to that next level. So uh, stay tuned with us. Uh, in a couple of days, you'll hear about it. Thanks, Tyler. Yep. See ya. Bye. What if you could raise $500,000 of private capital in the next 30 days to fund your real estate deals? How would that change your business? How would that change your life? I've put together a 30-day challenge that will walk you through how to get access to all the private funding you'll ever need at incredibly low interest rates on your terms when you need it. It's called the 500K Challenge. This is the same system I've used to raise over $15 million the past few years. And you're not just going to learn how to raise it. You're going to actually start finding this money yourself within the next 30 days as you go through the challenge. This is the single most important skill any real estate investor needs to have, whether you're flipping houses, buying multifamily properties, wholesaling, or anything else. Jump in and start raising private money now at 500kchallenge.com. I'll see you guys on the inside.